You're listening to the Heal Better Fast podcast, dedicated to bridging the gap between alternative healthcare and mainstream medicine in utilizing everything good to help you feel great. We're glad you tuned in. Now here's your host, Dr. Michael Pound. My guest today is David Pritchett, a world-class athlete who came back from a life-threatening injury. You'll want to hear his motivating story coming back from being bored by a buffalo to competing on a world-class mountain biking team. I'd like to welcome David Pritchett. Good morning, David. Welcome to the show. I'm happy to have you finally on the show today. Good morning, Dr. Pond. Yeah, thank you for having me. That's great. You have quite a fascinating history and a couple of injuries where you've had to kind of recover from. And uh, and tell me a little bit about how you got to where you are today. Yeah, well, um, I've always been active, um, you know, from a young age, you know, representing my province and then my country actually in, in, in sports. And then... Um, I started, I started traveling and, uh, ended up, uh, in the United States, but I've always kept, kept that, um, active lifestyle and, uh, you know, the competitiveness, I think, I think, uh, entering races and, and, uh, you know, trying, trying to be as competitive as I can in, in a busy lifestyle. And what kind of races, uh, are you talking about? What kind of races do you do? Well, at this at this time of my life, I'm, I've really uh, got into it and started enjoying the Xterra triathlons, which is um, a cross-country type triathlon. So you do, instead of road biking, you do mountain biking. And so the, I, I really, I've got into mountain biking in a big way. Um, this year I did the Cape Epic, which is one, I believe one of the, the most grueling endurance races that you can do, which is, uh, Five, 500 miles plus minus um, eight days of, of racing um, back to back. So I, I really enjoyed that and uh, ended up doing fairly well. So I was happy with uh, the performance. And, and yeah, so that's, I mean, I'm a, mountain biking to me is, is one of the, um, one of the sports I really enjoy aside from running and I do enjoy swimming as well. So, so the exterior triathlons really is where, you know, where I've ended up. Excellent. And you, before you got to that point, there, you had a couple of, I won't say setbacks, but speed bumps, I guess, if you will. And even before that, tell us a little bit about injury history and, and kind of how you've overcome those. Yeah. So um, coming off the back of uh, a very successful university sporting career, where I actually represented South Africa in modern pentathlon. Um, I started traveling. I ended up uh, hitchhiking through Africa. And um, when I got to Kenya, uh, I was on a friend's uh, ranch. And we were in the middle of, you could say, nowhere. And I got gored by Cape Buffalo. So it sounds terrible, which and it was. But I was incredibly lucky to have survived it. So I count my blessings. And... Uh, <laughs> But the my the 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 sort of the basis of the injury was my left gluteus maximus was torn in half. Oh my goodness! And um, you know, and so I mean there were some other issues as well. I had a degloving injury on my le- uh, left leg, and there were some issues there. But you know, the gluteus maximus is 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 a major muscle, especially when you um, performing it, you know, at a high level. 
so it took me a while to recover from that, obviously. Um, and for, for the longest time, uh, that whole muscle would just wobble. It wouldn't, it wouldn't contract. It wasn't able to. Um, and so, you know, in my recovery, there was obviously, you know, physical therapy and, um, a lot of, just a lot of healing. Um, and then what I found is when I was able to start running, I, I sort of six months later, I was able to start running again. Um, but what I found was that muscle wasn't firing properly. It wasn't contracting. There's a lot of scar tissue in there, obviously. So that the, the challenge was to get that muscle, the muscle fibers aligning with each other and the, and the, and the nerve endings to, to start firing and, and the muscle to start working when I, when I needed to, to, you know, so the, it was a challenge. And, and the, the doctor, when the doctor that, um, that performed the surgery told me that I was probably not going to really walk as well as I once did. And, and so you know, it was it was a real it was a real challenge for me mentally as well. Um, but you know, I got through it and and uh, we started working on it. And I've I've traveled I've traveled a lot a lot through the United States and and uh, the world actually uh, since that that episode. And I've always looked for and sought out um, someone that could really dig in and and help me and it's been that's that's been another challenge right you go around the world and you try and you, you look for people that are in the profession of fixing and helping athletes and it's, it's a tough thing to do um and you know i've ended up in brentwood yeah and i found you guys and and it's been a blessing really so, so when you're when you're talking about um, digging in deep, tell me a little bit about the therapy that helps really helps you be- heal the best. Yeah, so um, you know I've done everything from um, light therapy to deep tissue cross friction, um, you know, and and then the injury itself is sort of it's become almost secondary to everything else that's happened and, and all the other muscles that compensate. Right. And so, you know, the, the Graston helped a lot, obviously Graston helps, um, you know, everything else around it as well as the, the, the main, the main problem. Um, and then active release therapy has been a huge, uh, benefit to me. Um, and, and then just keeping my hips, stretched and, and open. Um, those, those things I think really, uh, have helped me. The other thing that I've learned in all my, uh, sessions on a physio table is how to mentally be able to release a muscle when, when someone is working on it. Um, and, and I think a lot of times people go to physios and, and, um, uh, therapists, um, massage therapists, and they don't really know how to, um, help that person that's working on them. And I think that's something that I've learned to speed up the process is, is mentally be able to 
help release the muscle as that person is working on it. And that's great. So how do you, how do you do that? Walk us through how you, how you kind of uh, go through that process. Well, there's a lot of obviously there's a lot of breathing involved. So breathing is very important when you're lying on the table. Um, in inhalation and exhalation, um, exhaling helps definitely. When you exhale, um, you think about and you visualize and you picture that muscle lengthening and releasing. So I think the you know, in, in my in my mind, there's there's a lot there's some pain involved, right? Obviously, when when you hit a, a spot that is tight and knotted up, um, to me the pains come in varying degrees and varying flavors. So, so it's it's interesting to me that some areas are it's it's a sharper, harder pain, and some areas are a deeper pain. But whatever the pain is, I can identify the pain as, and I, and I almost know what it's going to feel like before you uh, start working on it. But it's pain is just a signal in the brain, right? So you can disassociate yourself from that pain and really focus on on what needs to be done instead of the pain. Yeah, I like that. Most of my patients, when they come in, they're trying to get out of pain as quick as possible. And and a lot of times they will forget to breathe. So they'll t- they'll inhale, but they just hold their breath, and and sometimes that makes it quite difficult to work on on someone. Right, and I do that too. I mean, I find myself holding my breath as well. Um, but the real the real um, work and the real progress uh, really starts when you exhale. And I I also find myself holding my breath and not, you know. And, and focusing on the pain, but once I do exhale and focus on the muscle lengthening and and the work at hand, then um, it, it happens really quickly. Right, and as you said, pain is actually, like I said, a great motivator, but it is also a signal to the brain that something's going on. So there's a very delicate balance between ignoring pain and working through pain, uh, and and it seems like with kind of the imaging that you do, that mental picture, it's all, you've probably got a pretty good idea of what pain you should work through and what pain you shouldn't work through. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, you know, most most pains, well, yeah, so that's a good point. Uh, there, there's some pains that you know are, on, are inhibiting, and then there's some pains that you know that are just niggling, right? So I think finding the niggling pains before they become inhibiting is really where you should be at um, when it comes to stretching and preparing and, and doing your daily activities and routines and being in tune with your body. So, you know, I've, I've been doing a couple of exercises that I was, you know, shown. And, and if, if you get into a routine and you're working through your morning routine before you start the day, and you find an area that is feeling a little bit uncomfortable, those are the areas you need to focus on. And then figuring out what is causing that problem because not often it's the problem area that is is the cause, right? That's just the effect of something else that's tight. And so I think finding those areas and then working on those areas and, and, and lengthening that muscle and, and getting your body back into um, – 
you know, a posture and a and a and a sort of movement that is niggle free. Um, and then when I'm when I'm doing um, endurance uh, racing, yes, then I definitely do. But a fairly a balanced, natural sort of uh, as whole whole food diet as I possibly can, and that's about it. I think uh, when it comes to diet and uh, and and nutrition, I think the more balanced you can be, and the more holistic you can be, the better. So, is there a specific diet that you follow, or are you just uh, uh, kind of self-taught nutrition? Yeah, self. I mean, I think anything that is not processed is fine. So, anything without a UPC label—that's that's that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So tell us a little bit more. Let's go into the training that you did for the race. That's that's not like a, yeah. a little thing. And you you're a busy guy. You're you're running a business. You've got a family. So how did you fit yeah. that type of training in? Well, it was tough because we we were racing in South Africa in March this year, and March tends to be very very hot, and it was. And we were in, of course, North America in. California and we had a very wet cold winter so it was tough um, we had a very strict schedule and I had a teammate Jeffrey who you know we were able to keep each other accountable um, to the training schedule which was great and um, because I think you need that you need a coach or a teammate <clears throat> excuse me um, somebody to help you um, stay on track but it was a, it was a, a, a four-month grueling um, many hours sitting on the trainer in the living room, um, early in the morning before the kids woke up or, or later at night when they went to bed. And, um, yeah. And, and then a lot of cold, uh, cold mornings, cold, wet mornings out, uh, doing our, our, um, outrides. Um, and then a couple of races building up to it and, um, just being, you know, I guess uh, for the for lack of a better word, just being consistent. Um, you know, in, in, it was our first time doing the race, so we didn't really know what to expect. Um, we knew there was a lot of climbing, so we had to get out and do some hills. Um, and in, in retrospect, I think we, uh, you know, in hindsight, we should have uh, done a lot more longer distance grueling road rides. Um, with some long, uh, long hills, you know, sort of a sort of four or five mile hills. Um, if you can find those around here, I don't know, but that's kind of where we, we found we were lacking a little bit, but everywhere else, I mean, technically we were very good, you know, and the downhills were great. We, we killed it. And, um, you know, overall, uh, we came 39th in our age group. And uh, 140th around there overall, including pros. Yeah. So, you know, as a team, as a, as a team, we were very happy. Yeah, that was amazing feat. And and didn't you have an injury, or didn't didn't you? Uh, you took a spill on the race, didn't you? <clears throat> yeah, actually, um, just before the the race, uh, we were out riding, and I. I came off uh, quite fast and hard and I landed on my left shoulder and, um, 
Yeah, so it was interesting. I went to this lady in this tiny little town near where my parents lived because, you know, we were staying with my parents. And um, this lady did uh, a technique called dry needling, um, but it's like an acupuncture, um, which is legal. But uh, it's uh, dry needling, is, I think it's performed either by, it, it's not a, a specialized acupuncturist, right? Um, but it really helped release the, the area that was um, tightened and inflamed and um, that, you know, that was able, and then some taping and et cetera, was able to get me um, in a very short period of time ready to start the race. And it, it bothered me for the first couple of days, but after that I was fine. Now, what type of taping did they use? Was it just kind of sports taping or was it the kinesio tape? Um, it was kinesio tape, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty close. Essentially what, what it is is it's got some stretch fibers built into it. And so when you lay the tape on, it's a cotton woven tape with some glue and some elasticity. And essentially what it does is it puts tension on the skin, lifts it up a little bit and takes pressure off the muscle. Uh, and so the mm. muscle can glide and move a little bit easier. And a lot of people, like like you just mentioned, they'll, they're very familiar with how to tape or what the tape uses are but they really don't know what it does all they know is that it makes it feel better and makes them perform better all right well that was a good explanation thank you but it's a good modality yeah and the other one that you also came to my practice asking for in the beginning which a lot of people don't ask me for is the low light laser therapy so we kind of brushed over that in the beginning mm. but you've had some experience with that before you even uh, met me correct correct yeah um, so my father's a veterinarian and, um, he's been using, uh, uh, photozo light therapy on animals for a very long time. And obviously over the years, it's, it's got better and better and they've sort of perfected the equipment. Um, but I have, um, I'm not sure if I should be saying this, but I have some, some horse photo, phototherapy lights which was rather large and, and quite powerful. And I felt, I found that that's really helped, um, sort of, uh, help the, you know, help me heal in areas where I, it's difficult to get to. And also some larger muscles. Um, and so, so what I understand about the uh, photo light therapy is that it activates and stimulates the mitochondrion in the cell. Um, and that, stimulates blood flow and also the healing process. Um, and I found it to really tremendously help me. Um, and and uh, I, I think, you know, sometimes I think, what, what, what would I do without this machine, right? Yeah, that's pretty... Because it's literally pl yeah. uh, plug and play. Yeah, pretty key. People underestimate the, you know, the power of, of, well, that's energy. And essentially what it is is deep heating energy that speeds up ATP production and cellular uh, cellular turnover. And so it's huge into producing energy into our cells and helping damaged cells repair themselves. Right. It's quite interesting. And, um, you know, I know it, it has, uh, it has, a, a it, it only goes for a certain amount of, amount of time and then it has different functions on it and, and, you know, one of the functions is deep, deep muscle. And then it has all sorts of things like skin, uh, scar, you know, healing scars on your skin and 
sinus um, sinus function. Um, it has like an acne function. So there's a lot of different applications for it. But uh, yeah, obviously I, I use the uh, the deep muscle one a lot, and it's great because it's I can use it in my living room, you know, when I'm watching TV or whatever if that ever happens but I, I you know when you're sitting around in the evening relaxing that's that's an ideal time to to get it out and sort of apply that that therapy so if if we had an athlete who was listening and they're trying to figure they maybe hitting a roadblock they're training for a, a major event and maybe they have an injury what's one piece of advice you would give them uh just to um uh, basically heal better fast. Yeah. I mean, you know, always the injury itself is caused typically by, uh, an, another area in the body that's, that's linked to it. Cause it's, I mean, it's all linked, right? Your whole muscular structure is all linked. And, and so, and so it, I mean, if it's a, if it's a bad injury, you really need to, you know, get help and and come in and see go see a professional um, because that's that's the fastest way. And, and often we don't know what the cause is, and to try and fix the problem without fixing the cause is is futile. You're wasting your time. You're not going to get better. Um, but go and see a professional that can, um, you know, really isolate the problem. And I mean, I've, you know, you know. I mean, I've sprained fingers and I've done all sorts of things. Um, you know, crashing on mountain bikes, etc. Um, and really, y- you could have a, a problem for weeks and weeks if you don't go and see somebody about it, or you can go and see somebody about it and get it fixed literally that day. Um, and then, you know, if it's a if it's a bad injury, rest, ice, compression, elevation, or whatever, right? Um, the thing is. And what I've learned is if it if you can get away with continuing to move and continuing to uh, work that area, um, which, by the way, only comes if you go and see someone professionally to be able to, to do that without damaging yourself further um, and getting the go-ahead, um, someone that sees patients all the time, every day, and that can sort of advise you better but I, I know you always tell us uh you'll tell me at least um keep doing what you're doing don't stop because when you stop things tighten up and seize up um and you it, it takes the process is longer you want to keep the blood going you want to keep the the movement you don't want the joints joints to to stop moving yeah i appreciate you bringing that up so that's because kind of what i would say yeah, a lot of people will go straight to rice, rest, ice, compression, elevation, and you sound like you kind of have a. And David and I didn't talk about this before the interview, but you sound you kind of kind of like have a theory close to what I do, which is the uh, try and keep it moving, keep blood flow, definitely manage the swelling, but really try and keep things moving so they can heal better fast. In fact, the the guy who came up with the acronym Rice later said, you know what? After some research, we found out that maybe rest and ice right in the beginning isn't the best thing for an injury. And in fact, it does delay the right. healing process. But as we all know, in um, there's different degrees of injuries. And again, you and I didn't talk about this before, but the fact that you get it properly diagnosed or properly addressed in the beginning, 
and the road to recovery is a lot quicker. Absolutely, hundred um, percent. And and sometimes you know, um, if you can manage the swelling, because the swelling is is really what's going to um, stop you from moving, right? If you can manage the swelling, um, a lot of times heat is better than ice, right? Because it increases blood flow. I mean, I think I think ice has has its place if you can uh, cool it down and then heat it up, and it acts as a mechanical pump. I think that that's a technique that I've used before, um, especially on ankles and things like that. When if you can cool it and then heat it, um, that uh, contraction and expansion acts as a, a mechanical pump and it increases sort of blood flow. I don't know if you've used that at all. Oh yeah. A simple thing, you know, that people can do at home a, lo- a lot of times is when, you know, they maybe they have neck pain or back pain is you get into the shower and you turn the water as hot as you can stand it without burning yourself or scalding yourself. And then you just turn it on to as cold as you can take it. And you just turn it all the way cold. And just that contrast therapy in the shower, which is someone, something anyone can do at home, will get the body into a little bit of a, stimulate a little bit of a fight or flight, but just really start pumping some things in and out to help expand and contract, vasodilate, vasoconstrict, allow the blood flow to the area, and a lot of times overcome just mild tension, mild sprain, strain type injuries. Right. That's a good, yeah, that's a good idea. But that requires a lot of discomfort, yeah. and and I've tried it after even just after running, it's uh, it can be a little um, unnerving. It's it's not exactly fun to do. Right, yeah. The other thing I wanted to mention is, you know, often if if I if I stop exercising, all my um, my pains and my problem areas get accentuated, and it becomes a lot more difficult to work through the pain. Um, to get me back on track. Whereas if I keep exercising and keep moving, I don't. I find that those areas that are, that are a problem, I can I can work through them a lot quicker, and it becomes a lot easier to sort of um, manage that area. But if I if I if I just get caught up in work and and don't go and run or don't go and ride my bike, it becomes an issue, and it be, the pain becomes too much in a way for me to really deal with. So, uh, you know, I just wanted to mention that because I know, you know, you always tell us to keep going, keep going, keep getting out there, keep doing what you're doing um, and keep moving. And um, I want to tell you that that's probably some of the best advice you can give someone. Yeah, I've, I've, you know, when I have these patients come in that are in their 90s, you know, 100, you know, I always ask them, so how did you do it? You know, how'd you get to this point? You know, because many of them didn't have pain up to this point. And the, the really, you know, those healthy ones will, will tell me, I just kept moving. You know, it wasn't like they stuck to a specific diet or uh, subscribed to a specific exercise. Most of them just kept moving as much as they could. And uh, I believe that's yeah. that momentum. You just keep, that's life. Just keep moving. All right. Well, I want to thank you for your time, David. Take, thanks for taking the time to spend with us here on the show. This has been a great interview, and uh, I look forward to seeing you in the clinic. Very cool, Dr. Palm. Thank you very much. Uh, appreciate all the, all the work you guys do, and uh, thank you. All right. We'll talk thank to you, you later. Thank you for helping me. Oh, yeah. My pleasure. All right. <laughs> Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Heal Better Fast podcast at www.healbetterfast.com. Oh.